0: Christian Parenting. Aloha, friends. Welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast, powered by Christian Parenting. I am Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, podcast host, and author of Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. Here on the podcast, it's my goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising boys in this sometimes crazy world. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I'm so glad you're here.
1: When we train our children in what's right and we require them to practice what's right, we're teaching them how to grow in wisdom. And we're preparing them to govern their own actions for future situations that might be similar. I actually refer to this as the practice principle. And, you know, think about it. Imagine trying to teach your child how to tie his shoes without the practice principle. It's not going to work. Just verbally walking him through that process is not going to be enough. At some point, you would have to uh, physically demonstrate how to do it and then have him practice it on his own. And so my question is, if the practice principle is vital for teaching such morally neutral tasks as tying shoes, how much more important is it for training children in Christlike character?
0: Aloha, friends. Welcome back to the Boy Mom Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. And today's guest, Ginger Hubbard, is going to be such an encouragement to all of you. Ginger is one of those people that once you start talking, you're like, how many hours do you have? Because everything she says is packed with so much wisdom. And probably my favorite thing about this conversation, and I think you're going to agree, is that Ginger gets really practical. The things she shares, she gives specific examples, and you feel like you can apply them to your parenting right away, no matter what age your kids are are. Now, a little backstory, because I just think it's so fun. I knew about Ginger and her writing well before I started blogging, podcasting, or writing myself. My three sons were young. Um, We were a part of a homeschool co-op, and I remember a mom talking about the book, Don't Make Me Count to Three. Well, a group of us women went through that book together, and I got so much out of it. It really became kind of my parenting manual for a few years as I applied everything I learned in that book to my own parenting, and it was so helpful. Now, Ginger also wrote Wiser. For moms. And then her book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, is also awesome. And today we're going to be drawing from that book. I can't believe you just said that, which is really talking about taming your child's tongue. But what we're talking about isn't just the behavior here. We're going to talk about the heart, how we can get to the heart of our children and help transform their behavior from the heart out, which you know, if you've read anything that I've written, that is my goal. That is my heart's desire as well. And I think that Ginger makes it, again, so practical that you're going to find yourself using the things she talks about right away. Now, I kind of lost track of Ginger for a few years. Then I started doing my stuff. And recently her name kept popping up and I was like, oh my goodness, I remember this woman. She's amazing. And I think she started coming up because she has a brand new podcast that we're going to be linking to and she'll talk a little bit about, but it's one that you're definitely going to want to follow if you like what she shares today. So I'm not going to say too much more. We cover a whole lot today, and I do plan to have Ginger back. I think you're going to want her back. We've got a couple other topics we want to dive into, but for today, prepare yourself for a lot of good stuff. I hope you enjoy this conversation about taming your child's tongue, and I'll have a few final words to say at the end. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Ginger, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast. Hey, Monica. It's so good to be on with you. Thank you. I'm super excited to talk to you because as I told you before we hit record, I was reading your books before I even knew I would become a writer myself. And I just got so much out of I remember the first book of yours I read was Don't Make Me Count to 3 mm-hmm. and I was so encouraged and so I kind of lost track of you for a little while, but when recently I saw you again. I was like, oh my goodness, how could she be this young? I am I was reading your books years ago. <laughs> and I'm thinking I might be older than you, but you um just really have shared so much over time. And it's so fun to see you and to see that you've got a podcast now. So welcome, welcome. It's just super fun to be connected.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm excited to talk to you and encourage your listeners. You
0: bet. Well, today we have a topic that I know is gonna be so helpful to so many, but before we dive in. And Why don't you just give a brief introduction about who you are and where you are
1: and all the rest? Okay. Well, I, my name is Ginger Hubbard, as you said, and I'm obviously from the South. I am in Alabama, in case you haven't picked up on that Southern accent yet. I can't hide it very well. And I am married to Ronnie Hubbard. We've been married for 10 years. And between the two of us, we have four children. So I've got uh, two that are mine and then two step kids, two stepson's and uh they are all in their 20s so they're all adults now wow that's something else we could talk about one day because i am just right there on the brink of that same stage how is it oh i love it it's great we actually have one moving out this weekend so he's got there's mm. boxes all over my house and so we're going to be helping him move in and Um, But it's it's fun. There's never a dull moment. And we just have a blast. I tell you, it's fun raising kids. But once they become adults and it kind of shifts over to where it's just a a fun friendship, that's just when you really start. start, Not that it's not fun being, you know, the mom when they're younger, but you just really start reaping the fruit of sowing good relationships when they're young and then really enjoying those friendships with them as they get older.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more. My oldest is just 21, going on 22, and I'm seeing that. It's just such a blessing. I love it. So, well, fun. Well, tell us also a little bit, just a backstory about your books, what you've
1: done in the past leading up to now. Okay. Well, my first, uh, well, actually, my first publication was a a Wise Words for Moms chart. Mm -hmm. And it was just this handy little chart that had 22 different behaviors that kids struggle with and kind of walked moms through how they could address it from a heart-oriented and biblical perspective. And then that is what really launched a national speaking ministry. And so I started speaking all over the country. And after I had been doing that for about three years, I thought, well, hey, I can take all of these uh, presentations that I have and develop into a book. And that birthed Don't Make Me Count to Three. And uh, then I wrote a book called Guiltless Living, which was uh, something that I really personally struggle with a lot, which is mm. condemnation. Yeah. And so I, I really uh, wanted to share some of my struggles with that. Not, not necessarily to air my dirty laundry, but to really, <laughs> I, although I do make a lot of confessions in that book, but <laughs> to really help uh, women who struggle with beating themselves up understand what it means to live in the grace of God and not in condemnation. So and then uh, my latest book is another parenting book called I Can't Believe You Just Said That, and it's on biblical wisdom for taming your child's tongue. And so that's Mm -hmm. what uh, you and I are going to talk about is taming your child's tongue. So we're going to have some fun Uh with that. Oh, definitely. And it
0: sounds like as the world is opening up, you're going to be traveling and speaking more this spring. Is that
1: right? Yes. I actually have seven conferences uh, planned right now for or with uh, Teach Them Diligently, which are homeschool conventions. So I'm going to be all over the place in um, Tennessee and Texas and Colorado, uh, Kansas. And Illinois, I think. I can't remember the other one. Somewhere else. I'd have to look at my schedule. (laughs) So hopefully everything will open. They're saying things are going to open back up. We'll see. I'm certainly ready to get back out. And I love ministering to uh, moms in person and just loving on them and praying with them. So I have really missed. I've gone into withdrawals this last year, being cooped up and not being able to do that. So really hoping things open back up so I can make those personal connections with folks at my events.
0: Definitely. Okay, well, we'll be sure to link to your page where it shares all your speaking events, too. So that if anyone happens to be in one of those areas, maybe they can catch you. Great. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, I've got the travel bug. I mean, people have always asked me, oh, do you get rock fever living in Hawaii? And I'm like, no, of course not. You know, And I didn't realize it's because I could travel. And now that we've been on this island, it seems like for so long, we're all just like dreaming of fantasy vacations. Mm-hmm. So let's, mm-hmm. let's hope and pray that the world's opening up. And I'm just excited for you. And you've also got a podcast. I'm going to have you share about that at the end of this show. But um, just so many places that we can be encouraged by your writing and your speaking. So I'm just really excited. And yeah, we're going to talk here about taming Your Child's Tongue. And I get a lot of emails from listeners, from book readers who are really struggling in this area. And I think that Uh, you and I agree that when we look around us, there's just a a definite lack of respect in the younger generation for parents. I think there's maybe been a shift over the years where there's just an acceptable... tone of kids towards their parents, and I think you have said that America is now facing an epidemic of undisciplined children who have no filter on the things they say, and I want to know, how do you think our nation has
1: reached this point? What has changed or shifted? Do you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, well, you know, Monica, as well as I do, that we live in a nation that defies God at every point including child training. And, you know, it's not that parents don't desire to raise obedient and respectful kids. I think all parents would desire that. But I think that many parents fail to achieve those results. And I, I believe that that reason is twofold. I think the first problem is that many parents, in an attempt to get their children to obey and to show that verbal respect, um, they've adopted these faulty child training methods, which focus only on the outward behavior of their children, but they fail to reach the heart. So many parents have developed this philosophy that if they can get their children to act right, that they're raising them the right way. But there is so much more to parenting than getting Mm -hmm. our children to act right. We have to get them to think right and to be motivated out of a love of virtue rather than a fear of punishment. So I believe that that's the first problem, uh, a failure to reach the heart. And then I think the second problem, Monica, is that parents are simply not following the instructions in the instruction manual. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I once heard Roy Lesson compare God's instructions for parents to an owner's manual for a new appliance. And I just loved his illustration. He said, you know, think about it. He said, when you buy a new appliance, The manufacturer provides you with an instruction manual, and it tells you how to use the appliance and how to keep it in the best working order. And if something goes wrong, the customer is encouraged to contact the the manufacturer for repairs. (laughs) And and it's the same with families. The family was God's idea. He Mm. brought it into being. And in the Bible, he has provided parents with instructions for how it operates best. And you know, also what I love so much is that when parents experience problems in the training of their children, and they really don't know what to get to do, He's given us that open communication with Him, yep. and He encourages mm-hmm. us to contact Him for repairs. Yep. <laughs> yes, and He so says that true. when we, when we, uh, according to James one five, that when we ask Him for wisdom, He promises that He'll give mm-hmm. it to us. Yeah. Oh, that
0: is all so good, and I couldn't agree more. I, I say in Boy Mom that I've had people come to me and say like, oh, just, you know, I tell me what you've done with your boys. You know, they might have young children and they're like, I just love the character of your boys and tell me what you've done, everything but the God part, because we're not, we're not religious.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. <laughs> and I just look at them and I say, I got nothing. That's Right. <laughs> If you take that out I've got nothing. Oh. Oh that is that is so good and I think everyone is probably nodding in agreement. Well, you write in your book that why do they act like that is the wrong question to ask of misbehaving and rude talking children. Tell us what you mean by that.
1: Well, when my kids were little, I like a, probably a lot of moms, I was a lot of times shocked by some of the things that would come mm-hmm. out of their mouths, yeah, yeah. whether I know you can relate, whether uh, it was uh, whining or lying or talking back or or just whatever. I would typically ask that question, why do you act like that? Yeah. But mm-hmm. after a closer look at the word of God, I began to realize that I was asking the wrong question. In Matthew 12, 34, Jesus explained, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So in other words, there's merit to that old saying, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. (laughs) (laughs) Our sin, it does not begin with our mouths. It begins with our hearts. The sin that shows up in our words Comes from inside us, and it starts a whole lot sooner than we might think. King David proclaimed, "Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me." And so, I really think that when parents truly begin to grasp just the origin of sin and and the total depravity of the human race in general, we no longer question why our children sin. And so, I cl- I slowly learned to stop asking that question: Why does my child sin? And instead, I begin to ask myself, when my child sins, how might I point him to the fact that he is a sinner just like me in need of a Savior? How can I really help him begin to understand and live in uh, that transformational power of Christ? Mm, So good.
0: I love that. Can Maybe to just make this real practical, can you give maybe an example or two of like what that would look like in a little one who's telling a lie or speaking rudely? Can you give some little... Yeah,
1: sure. Or or little ones. You know, when they're really little, I would say the the first thing that they're going to start struggling with is just flat out disobeying, right? So so let's say that, uh, just a practical illustration, let's say that... um, you tell your, your three-year-old to come to you. And he stubbornly refuses to obey. And I actually witnessed this in, in, in Walmart, where this mom uh, was telling her, like, he's maybe, I don't know, All two and in a half. Yeah. Walmart. Yeah. Uh, Walmart. <laughs> and then where everything happens. And so somebody said, it's like the bar scene from, um, Star Wars, Walmart. Oh, uh-huh, yes. <laughs> Totally. So, but anyway, so this the, this mom, her like her child, like, was maybe two and a half or three years old, and she told him uh, to come to her. He was starting to wander off, and she's told him to come to her, and he stubbornly refused to obey, and he took off running in the other direction. And so, in desperation, this mom yells out, "Come to mommy, and I'll give you a sucker." And so there, she's offering this bribe instead of really trying to get to the child's heart. And so, in in th- in that situation. From a practical standpoint, instead of, you know, offering the bribe, because that really encourages them. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, it's selfish. It yeah. it because the, the child is going to come because they say, Well, sure, I'm going to obey for what I can get out of it. And that's really a selfish reason. And so children need to be taught to obey because it's right and because it pleases God not to get a reward. And so, so in that situation, from a practical standpoint, You want to reach the child's heart. So maybe go catch up to him and get down on eye to eye level, especially when they're that little and get their attention and say, you know, sweetie, I told you to come to me. Now, did you Mm -hmm. obey Or did you disobey? Just keep it very simple. Did you obey or did you disobey? And then once that child has acknowledged that he disobeyed or say that he doesn't acknowledge it, some some moms are listening, they're saying, yeah, right. Well, I'm going (laughs) to ask my kid that and he's going to be, sure, mom, I disobeyed and I know that dishonors God, please forgive me. You know, that's not going to happen. So say you have the child that doesn't answer. Well, don't get into a power struggle. Just go ahead and answer for them and say, honey, I told you to come to me and you didn't. And that is disobeying. And God's word says that children should obey their parents and you know when my kids were little um, I could hold up three fingers this is one of the first things I taught my kids I could hold up three fingers and say how does God want you to obey and they could say they would say all the way right away and with a joyful heart and that pretty much covers complete obedience and so you want to tell them what to put off and then what to put on so obviously what to put off is disobeying and then what to put on is to obey and so that's just one way. You know, and when I say that we're all about reaching the heart, when you ask that, even that three-year-old, are you obeying or are you disobeying? that helps them to take ownership for the sin that's in their heart, which is ultimately going to help them recognize their need for Christ. And so just those simple heart probing questions that really helps to get past that outward behavior and help our children to evaluate on their own what's going on in their heart and to um, recognize that sin that's there. Oh,
0: so good. I love that. And I think the more you have those conversations, the more they start to reflect on their own heart, even before you say it. I think the first time might not, but after that's a regular conversation, it tunes their heart to think about or their mind to think about their heart and what's going on in there. So I love that training, training their heart as well. Oh, that is super, super good. Okay. Well, there are some specifics in the Bible. We know that. And I always turn to just, you know, get it as simple as it can, honor your father and your mother. If there's any doubt, just simply mm-hmm. go to that. Mm-hmm. But what about verbal offenses that are not directly addressed in the Bible? You, you know, you mentioned whining, some of those things that we might not have a verse to pull out immediately. Give
1: us some practical help for how we might deal with those things. Okay. Well, for a while, one of my children Um, Alex, my daughter, when she was younger, she really struggled with whining. She went through a Mm. season of that. And so I can totally relate and sympathize Uh, with parents dealing with that annoying verbal offense. You know, we all have these things that get under our skin. And let me tell you something, whining was one of mine, only second (laughs) to interrupting when I was trying to talk to another adult. You know, because the thing about it is homeschool moms. We we're we're with our kids all day long when they're little. And so when we get those moments of wanting to talk to another adult, they're constantly interrupting. That was probably, that was probably second to whining with me. So, and you're right, Monica, the Bible really doesn't talk about whining specifically, but the Bible does talk about self-control. And if you think about it, whining is an issue of self-control. And so when my daughter would whine in an attempt to get her way or to uh, acquire something that she wanted, Mm -hmm. um, well, let's let's just do a, a practical scenario here. Let's say that she comes into the kitchen and rather than simply asking for a cup of juice, She whines for it. So again, I would just probe her heart. She's little. So with something very simple that she can understand that heart probing question, I would just ask something like, honey, are you asking for juice with self-control? No, honey, you're not. And God wants you to have self-control, even with your voice. And so now here's what I'm going to do, because I love you so much that I want to help you get that self-control. So here's what I'm going to do to help you. I'm going to set the timer. And I just kept this little kitchen timer with me all the time. And and when that timer goes off, then you may come back and ask for juice the right way. And I would set it for like three minutes. And so you see, I had... I repro- had to wait. I, yep, that's right. Yeah. So I reproved her for whining. I Mm -hmm. had her suffer the consequences of having to wait Mm -hmm. three minutes, which, uh, you know, can seem like an eternity for a small child. And then most important, I had her come back and ask for juice with self-control, which is an issue that is addressed in God's word. You know, all behavior is linked to a particular attitude of the heart. And so a wise parent is going to learn how to reach past that outward behavior, pull out what's going on in the heart, and then we're able to address it from a biblical perspective. And, you know, I, I've I've shared this scenario on, I, I forgot where I was. Um, I think it was on somebody else's podcast. And she said, yeah, but you don't know my kid if after the three-minute timer, my child wouldn't come back and ask for the juice after three minutes because that's just how stubborn my kid is. Oh, yeah. But you know what? Okay, natural okay. consequence. Yes, totally. You don't get the juice. Totally.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, that is so good. I Yeah, that is awesome. I, I, I think that you're speaking to so many different scenarios here and just getting to the heart is just the, the key there. And yet... It takes time, right? It takes, it's so much easier as a parent to just get them the juice and do your own thing and, or to, not going to be either way to not deal with the heart, but it's, it's an interruption in our day and it's something we have to take time for, but what could matter more, right? In the big picture. Yeah. What could matter more?
1: Yeah. And she, um, you know, and the thing is kids that are allowed to go about their day whining and, uh, making demands and, you know, getting away with everything they want to get away with. Think about it. They're not happy kids. They're not. They're very unhappy because they don't have any self control, and so and I found that you know self control is is one of the prerequisites for um, for just joyful living, and so the kids it's like they don't enjoy life. Other people aren't enjoying being around them. But when they're trained in self-control, it's a blessing to them because they enjoy things so much more when they have that self-control. So taking that time to do that and, you know, and not just with whining for things, Um, you know, we could carry this topic a a step further. Um, I've noticed that kids today, they don't just whine when they want something. Kids today seem to whine just as a general means of communicating. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like it's become an epidemic in America. Oh, yes, I don't yes. know. And so well, and, yeah, and, the, and it this... goes with
0: entitlement. I think whether you hear the sound of whining or you just know it, that's the tone of of just yeah. Yeah. The complaining yeah. dissatisfaction, all, all of the sure, above. Sure.
1: Sure. But you know, this, the same thing can work. The same way to deal with it can work in any mm-hmm. scenario. You know, say, Definitely. let's do another practical thing. Let's say that mom is driving the minivan and the child is in the, strapped in the backseat and is not necessarily asking for something in a whiny voice, but is just talking in a whiny voice. Same thing. Oh, sweetie, you know, are you using your self-controlled voice? No, you're not. And you don't even have to have a timer. Nowadays we have our cell phones. You can just set a timer on that and say, so I'm gonna set this timer for three minutes. And then you can then we can have this conversation with self-control. And again, if the child's not willing to do that, the natural consequence is he doesn't get to have that conversation with hurt.
0: mom. Mm, so you know? good. And I love the timer. I need to do that because I do think for kids, the waiting factor can be so confusing and so hard because like you said, it feels like an eternity to them. But if they can see the timer or know that there's a three-minute you know that we're not going to forget because we do tend to forget as parents too. Like, come back to me. But if you don't set the timer, it's easy for time to go by. So that is huge. I want to circle back though, and I have a feeling that the response might not be too different for this. But you mentioned your biggest pet peeve of interrupting. Um, can you speak practically to ways to
1: deal with it, that problem? Sure. Yeah, because that was another one for me. And again, <laughs> I think it's because I was with my young kids all day, every day. So when I finally had that, not that I didn't enjoy that, I love it. But I also, like other moms, I needed to have that adult conversation sometimes too. Yeah. So when I would be having that conversation, it would just so get under my skin when my kids would constantly be interrupting that conversation. And so in those situations, I might ask um, something about, sweetie, you know, is it kind or rude for you to interrupt me when I'm talking to someone else? Honey, are you thinking about others or yourself? when you interrupt. And so again, you're taking it back to their heart and you're having them evaluate their own heart. And then, um, you know, I'm really about that verse in Ephesians that says we're to put off our old selves and put on our new self. So I think it's so important that we always take it a step further with our kids and not just tell them what to put off, what not to do, mm, but to yes. always take it a step further and tell them what to do, what to put on. So in the situation with uh, with the interrupting, um, what I did with that, Is I taught my kids to place their when they wanted to say something, they were required to place their hand on my arm or my leg or wherever without saying anything, and wait. not not tugging on you, not smacking you, just gently, right? Yep. And and at a time of non conflict, I showed them how to do that. So it's Uh not yanking on mom's arm; it's gently placing your hand just on my arm or wherever, and waiting, and. Um, and that way, they were showing that respect. And so, when they knew that when they placed their hand on my arm or wherever, that that was basically them communicating, "Mom, I want to say something, but I don't want to be rude." And as soon as there was a pause in that conversation, I would give them permission to speak because that way they're not exasperated. It's exasperating just to say, "You know, you're not allowed to have any part of this conversation. You're not yep. allowed to interrupt at all." That doesn't mm-hmm. show any respect for our kids. So I wanted them to be feel free to come to me and to say something but i wanted them to learn to do it in a way that showed respect for others yeah so that worked just beautifully it it really oh. did and, and i love that i'm pretty sure
0: i i read that in one of your books when my boys were young and I put that to use right away and that's always been my policy since. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, that is super good. Okay, well, now each chapter I know in your book addresses a different verbal offense, like lying or tattling, like we just talked about whining, complaining, and you offer a very simple three-step plan for dealing with each one. Can you tell us about that plan or do we have to read it in the book?
1: No, no, I'm (laughs) happy to tell it. And we've actually just touched on it, but but I can tell you just a little bit more about it because this is this everything that i write all of my books all of my sessions i really encourage this this very simple three step plan and step 1 is we've already covered that and given some scenarios its heart probing questions and let me tell you the reason for that is also is because if you think about it in all the stories in scripture in the bible when someone did something wrong jesus didn't wave his finger in their face and say this is what you did wrong and this is what you should have done instead instead, Jesus often, very often used yep. heart probing questions. Mm, yep. And in order for the people to answer those questions, they had to evaluate themselves because Jesus was a skilled heart prober. He knew how to ask those questions in such a way that the person he was talking to would have to take their focus off of the circumstances and the situations going on around them and onto the sin in their own heart. So good. So for every verbal offense, um, in my book, I know this is about taming your child's tongue. So that book is, I can't believe you just said that. So I've got all these different chapters. I forgot how many chapters, but every single chapter deals with a different verbal offense. It was every one that I could think of. So step one, I actually offer two or three very simple questions just to help parents um, you know, reach past that outward behavior and pull out what's going on in the heart. And it's not that parents can't think of their own questions. I mean, you certainly can. But sure. sometimes yeah. it's like, you know, it's just it one helps. of those days. Could you yeah. just tell me what to do? Give ask? me a scrambled- Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it just gets moms going in the right direction. Uh, and then, um, like I said, that, that verse that I was talking about is Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. And that full verse says, it talks about how we're to put off our old self and put on our new self. And it says, you were taught with regard to your formal way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on your new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So very simple. Step two, what to put off what God's word says about that particular behavior and what it can lead to if it's continued. And then step three is what to put on, how to replace what is wrong with what is right. So throughout the book, I walk you through that very simple three-step plan. I give you the scriptures for what to put off in accordance with that particular struggle and what scriptures uh, for what to put on in accordance with that struggle. So I basically, I really shouldn't even take credit for the book because all I did was sit down and do the homework for the parents. Mm-hmm. It's well, yeah. God's word. And we I just appreciate sat down did it. the homework. <laughs>
0: we, we appreciate it. Trust me. Because yeah, it's it lays it all out there in front of you so that you can just turn to the one you need when you need it. And it's all there. So yep. we appreciate it. Yep. So it's basically a cheat sheet. <laughs> it is. But what I love about this is, I guess, thinking about disciplining my own kids and correcting their behavior is how easy it is to just tell them what was wrong, but it, it is kind of leaving that gap, that, that empty place where when they have something they can take action on and put something on in its place, it is just a game changer. Like That gives them a way to be proactive and to do something instead of just feeling bad or shame about what they've done wrong. Now there's something they can do in its place. So I think that is just a huge, huge shift in the way we look at um, correcting our kids' behavior, correcting their um, things they're saying or doing. So I really love that. And then after going through these three steps, how can parents get their children to actually implement the principles? Is there like a follow-through you suggest
1: or how can we um, (laughs) help them take that next step? Yep, it's like you said, it's important that they put on, not just put off. So I really recommend that we require them to practice
0: the biblical Mm, alternative
1: to the wrong behavior. Because, you know, it's like we've said, it's never enough to just verbally instruct our children in what not to do. Even if we're just, even if we're telling them about, the scriptures and giving them, you know, all the right answers. We we need to teach them how to replace wrong behavior with right behavior, and then I think it's very wise for us to actually require them to um, actually do that. So, because when we require our children to physically practice the biblical alternative to their sinful behavior, what we're doing there is we're teaching them how to apply God's word to daily life. So let's do a practical example there. Yeah. Let, let's go with an older kid here because we've talked yeah. a lot about the younger. Yeah. So let's say that uh, a kid this, this older here, you know, maybe even getting up into the teen years, um, speaks disrespectfully because that's a biggie um, to parent and, and the parent says, uh, you know, something like, that was disrespectful. You shouldn't speak to me like that. Now go to your room. You see, and that is so typical. That's what we're tempted to do. Um, but that is ineffective child training because really, if you think about it, the most important part is left out. We shouldn't just rebuke and and even discipline the child who is speaking disrespectfully. We should have him come back and replace uh, or practice that that biblical alternative by communicating the right way, by using the up appropriate words and the appropriate voice. And for many children, particularly mine, as they grew into their teen years, <laughs> the appropriate facial expression. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, amen. And so, you know, when, and the thing is when we train our children in what's right and we require them to practice what's right, we're teaching them how to grow in wisdom. And we're preparing them to govern their own actions for future situations that might be similar. And so um, in in my parenting books, I actually refer to this as the practice principle. And, you know, think about it. Imagine trying to teach your child how to tie his shoes without the practice principle. It's not going to work. Just verbally walking him through that process is not going to be enough. At some point, you would have to uh, physically demonstrate how to do it, and then have him practice it on his own. And so my question is, if the practice principle is vital for teaching such morally neutral tasks as tying shoes, how much more important is it for training children in Christlike character?
0: Oh, I just love this so much. And and I love that you use an older child for this example, because I often think and, and talk in Boy Mom about um, practicing, you know, role playing, training the younger kids before you're in a situation. You know, I talk about even before you go to the grocery store, practice grocery store, you know, mm-hmm. set up a situation, take five minutes of your time and say, we're going to be going to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Three kids in the shopping cart isn't typically fun, but let's practice how we're going to act and what we're going to do when we're there and so I talk about practicing before a guest comes over um, when they walk in the door getting up, giving them eye contact, saying hello and so I talk a lot about practicing, but I love that you use the older child example because I do get a lot of questions from people who who say you know in response to something I've said, you know I might say I require my teenagers to speak with respect and they're like, but how do you require it what do you mean and I love what you just said because even teenagers can practice. Even teenagers, you know, not in front of their friends, not in a public place, but you I oftentimes say, I like what you said, but can you say that again with respect in your voice? Like I want to hear hear you say that with the right tone. And and if you haven't done this before, I'll just speak to any listener that's like hasn't done that. Sure, the first time or two it's going to be uncomfortable for you, but I encourage you to try it because you are their parent. You still have that position in their life and they can practice and I couldn't agree more that this only helps them prepare for other relationships and it comes back to self-control and it comes back to, you know, governing themselves like you've said so that when they need to respond to somebody else, be it a friend or a boss or a, you know, future spouse, they will be learning how to practice speaking Properly and respectfully, so, oh, I, I just couldn't agree with all this more. I, uh, you know what? You. <laughs> and, and as you were
1: talking, and as you were talking, the Lord, I just felt like the Lord really laid this on my heart. Here is that let's 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 turn the tables. Let's say that we, as a parent, speak disrespectfully to our kids. We scold them. We raise our voice. We speak harshly to them because I did that. I knew better because I even, you know, i read all the great parenting books and I even wrote a couple of parenting books, but I still blew it with my kids sometimes. And, you know, when those tables are turned like that, um, I cannot tell you how God used it when I blew it with my kids in those times when I was really willing to go to them and say, you know what, the way that I just spoke to you It did not show respect for you and it did not honor God. Will you forgive me for the way I just spoke to you? And let me try that again in a way that does show respect for you and does honor God. And let me tell you, Monica, when I would, those times when I would humble myself, ask for forgiveness, Mm -hmm. and I was willing to come back and put off what was wrong and put Mm -hmm. on what's right and practice this. God, man, God's grace came down. And so even when we blow it, there might be some listeners saying, you know, I I blow it all the time with my kid and this is so discouraging hearing the right way to do it. Well, those were some of the most valuable teaching opportunities I had with my kids when I blew it. Um, Because then we're getting to model what it looks like when we sin and the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the way that we can respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and make things right. And so God can really use those moments when and we blow it to do great things in the hearts of our kids. Always oh, got such a great response of hugs and kisses and, you know, thank you, mom. Humility, you just, you can never go wrong with humility. Mm. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad
0: you added that. And I know your kids are grown, so you get to look back on these things. But I, I can say just yesterday, <laughs> I have a 10-year-old and I had to do that very thing and ask forgiveness. And I agree with you so much that that just brings them to just such a place of tenderness and their heart is more open. And even recently when I had to do some correcting with my son, I mentioned to him just that, you know, mom struggles with sin too. This is how she... And he was like, no, you don't. And I thought, you know what? Sometimes in their little minds, they think we've got it all figured out. They think that we are walking in perfection. I was like, oh, no, no, buddy. Like, let me tell you, I depend on God every day to forgive me and give me another chance. And I felt like that really connected us in Mm -hmm. a special Mm -hmm. way. So, oh, I couldn't agree more. That Mm -hmm. just simple act of going to them and owning it when we blow it is so, so important. Ginger, there are so many other things we could talk about, but one topic I'd love to have you come back on another time because there's just too many things I I want to bring up about it is the topic of discipline and some of the things that you share about ineffective discipline, how we are often doing it wrong and how we can correct that. So I'm going to, instead of diving into that now, I'm going to ask if you'd come back on and we'll cover that for another episode. Are you open to that? Yes, I would absolutely love to. Okay. Terrific. Then that means before we close, I would love to ask you a couple of quick boy mom questions that I like to ask my guests who are on for the first time. Are you ready to roll? Okay. We'll, 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 we'll <laughs> give <laughs> it a try. Well, the first question is, can you think of something as you raised your boys and you had a girl in there too, but is there something that I call a boy mom essential? Something you can't imagine having raised those kids without?
1: Anything goes here. Without something, I could not have raised my son without. Of course, I have two stepsons mm. that came in a little mm-hmm. bit later. Yeah. Um, how about a housekeeper? I need a housekeeper mm. with boys. <laughs> oh yes. Man, <laughs> no, I actually, yeah. I, I actually rarely use a housekeeper, but um, and it's actually I say that I say that, but you know, my son was actually a lot neater and cleaner mm-hmm. than my daughter.
0: Okay. There I mean, he was
1: like, his room was always immaculately clean. He was always organizing his drawers. He would even rearrange his room sometime just to make his furniture look I love neater it. and stuff. I've
0: got one of those.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so... um so and I yeah. was a messy
0: girl too. So
1: <laughs> I was too. Mom is so funny because I w- my room was always a complete disaster. And when I got married, the first time my mom came over to our house and my house was like spotless and organized, she was like, Oh, she was so mad. <laughs> yeah. What happened to my daughter? <laughs> who who lives here? Yep. I love it.
0: Yeah. Okay, well then this leads us to the second question, which is From chatting with you, I'm curious if if the response might be similar, but I like to ask if there's a time you can remember one of your boys or all of your boys doing something, saying something, dragging something in that just made you think, I am a boy mom.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, when the the stepsons came into the picture, one thing I notice is uh, they're rougher with each other. Mm-hmm. Boys, you know, because yeah. my my son and my daughter they grew up together, and so and then the stepsons didn't come in until they were a little bit older, and then all three of them they're just you know the 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 tussling and the the picking on each other and and all that kind of stuff. So I think I think I needed a uh, a referee. Once, once right. I had three boys in the house. Oh, <laughs> so definitely. I, so I had not experienced that. But as far as dragging stuff in the house, again, my daughter, she was such a tomboy. She was the one dragging the snakes in the house. And, you know, I'm telling her, you know, wh- how do you know this is not poisonous? Oh, because I, I know their eyes look a certain way. If they're mm-hmm. not poisonous, I'm like you should not be close enough. To see yep. what the snake's eye is <laughs> like. If you yeah. you can see that, you're too close. I oh, so, no, but I love that because I know a lot
0: of listeners have girls, and it's just such a fun topic to compare boys and girls. But oftentimes that is the case where the girl might be, you know, rougher or more curious about things like that. So I love that answer. Okay. And then finally, this is, and I, don't feel pressure to give like one thing just whatever comes to you is there a piece of wisdom that if you could give yourself as a young mom just fresh with your first baby what advice would you give yourself that might encourage some of the younger listeners
1: i think one thing that it took me a little while to realize was the importance of having some structure to their days um even when they're really little Um, I found that they seemed to be a little bit fussier, um, not quite as content when I didn't have some sort of structure to their day. And so once I started doing that, I mean, just having like certain time that they were in their playpen alone, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. in the living room so where I could see them, but just, you know, maybe 20, 30 minutes a day um, where they had to focus on just one or two toys and that was something else I figured out quick too was not to put too many toys in there <laughs> yeah. with them because then they just kind of throw them around and they go from one to the another and they don't learn focusing skills yes. so I kind of messed up with that and it took me a little while to realize um, how beneficial it was for them to have certain things and then I had like when they um, we called it sit time where I would put them in their high chair and they could you know color with a crayon or, or do something like that but just having structured nap times and things like that it just seemed to be really good for them to have not every minute of the day being structured, but that was one area that it took me a while to pick up on that. So that's something that I would really encourage moms to think about is just to have have a little structure to the day for them. Mm,
0: I love that. And I think that as kids get older, even I mean, for me being a homeschool mom, summers are kind of I don't like those days where there's nothing and everyone's just kind of wandering around mm-hmm. and driving me crazy. <laughs> and I agree that structure for everyone is helpful and even for those teenagers to say, you know, at a certain time we're going to do this. And at a certain time, they need that if they don't have that already built into their day. So, oh, that is so helpful. Okay. Well, I have been so encouraged. I've been jotting notes. I'm going to have uh, links to your books and your website and speaking and everything else in the show notes and some notes from our chat as well. And again, I'd love to have you back on, but before I let you go, can you tell people where they can find you and maybe listen to you these days?
1: Yeah, uh, you can find me at gingerhubbard.com. And one thing that I am super excited about, well, let me just say this too I love to connect with people on Instagram. And so you can find me there at ginger.hubbard. And I'm also on Facebook at official gingerhubbard. So love to connect people um, that way. But one thing I'm really excited about that I've just started this month is uh, a Parenting with Ginger Hubbard podcast. And it, it's, just, it, it's just really, I'm so encouraged at how quickly this has taken off. I'm, I'm getting like bombarded with parenting questions, which I love because one of my favorite things to do is help parents think through some of the issues that they're struggling having, uh, their kids are struggling with. And so, um, but just real briefly, the, the, the Parenting with Ginger Hubbard podcast, it's a weekly podcast every Monday where the primary goal is to encourage and equip parents to reach beyond outward behavior, address the issues issues of the heart and point their children to the transformational power of Christ. And from a practical standpoint, we really want to help parents move past the frustrations of not knowing how to handle issues of disobedience and defiance and into a confident, biblical and well-balanced approach to raising their children. So if you have a parenting question, you can go on my website, it's gingerhubbard.com slash ginger, and we are actually uh, recording lots of sessions right now where we're answering those questions on the podcast. Yay.
0: Oh, I love it. And if people enjoyed the topic we covered today, I know you just go that much deeper over there. So hope everyone can hop over and have a listen. I've enjoyed your first few episodes, so glad you're doing that. All right, Ginger. Well, um, thanks so much for your time. I've been encouraged and I think everyone else has too. So thanks for being here. Good. Thank you, Monica. Aloha. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Hope you took some good notes and you will always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I will be sharing any notes that I took as well as links to Ginger's website podcast books and all of the rest. All right. I want to thank you again for being a part of this podcast community, and I want to remind you that word of mouth is probably the best way to share this podcast. So if you can think of any boy moms that you haven't told about the boy mom podcast yet, would you consider letting them know that I'm here, that I'm here to encourage and support, continue to spread the word. It helps us reach more people all over the world. So thanks for being here. If you ever have a suggestion for a topic or a guest you'd like me to interview, you can email me at aloha at monicaswanson.com. I love hearing from you. And I've got a QA and a episode coming up soon as well. So if you've got something you'd like me to address myself in a QA, and a definitely shoot that over. The sooner the better. Okay, guys, God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And until next time, aloha.